You were listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we have right now, on the line right now, who are you? Are you there, caller? Are you there, caller? There's two callers. There's plural, and we're in different locations. So this is a long time. Can you hear me okay? Long time associate of the Nardwar show, Leora Cornfield, calling in from my kitchen in Toronto, you, I don't know if you heard some like fire engines going earlier, but that was because of my place. And then we have somebody joining us from, I believe, Portland, Oregon. That is correct. Brian Weezer, vintage uh, CITR alumnus of the uh, 90s. What? I represent the 80s, by the way. So we're covering multiple decades here. Yes, uh, actually, could you move a tiny bit closer to your computer, Leora, and possibly a bit less echo, a bit less echo. Yes, we are very demanding on CITR. But basically, who are you, Leora? Who are you? Um, I ask myself that question as little as possible, but for the purposes of this fun drive, I'm somebody who several decades ago, let's just call it the 80s, I did a show at CITR. Oddly enough, uh, in this time slot that you're in, so you're kind of the heir to a time slot I did many years ago. I went on to work in commercial radio after that, and then I worked at CBC after that, and then I left the country, and then I came back, and I left the country again. Um, and now I'm back in the country and I do all sorts of stuff. I, I work in, I guess you could call it internet economics, which actually Brian will talk about more because he, he really is the king of that stuff and I'm not exaggerating. And I also uh, started doing a podcast uh, two years ago called Now and Next, which is about uh, the impacts of technology on the media industry, if you want to check that out. How's that for an answer? Great for the CITR Fund Drive. 2020 and right beside you on the line is brian who are you brian who are you exactly brian i am a person who has conducted many an interview in the last 20 years and i would say i start half of them with the question who are you uh who i am uh, more specifically yes so uh, from CITR times uh, circa 93 to about 98 uh you some people maybe remember uh, some of the programs I might have been associated with. Uh, certainly there was a Canadian lunch of that era. Uh, there was um, certainly uh, sports programming, uh, even though I didn't care for any of the sports I was following. Uh, the various news programs, Get in the Ring was one. Uh, and random um, music program host over the course of that time, president of the society that ran the station um, uh, for two of those years, uh, I guess producer of DJ Sound War one year, uh, and um, what else did I do? Random uh, stuff. Well, you were and also, you, you were also. Brian, did you not? Hang on, Brian. Weren't you instrumental in getting CITR uh, um, streaming on the internet? Oh the yes, I did. Put the very first internet presence. Uh, I created the first internet presence for uh, CITR, um, uh, setting Discorder up on a Gopher site. Uh, many of the original archives, I think, would have been um, uh, set up by myself. Uh, ben Lai uh, really kind of took it to the next level after uh, I had started. Um, but yes, we couldn't find $5,000 for a server uh, in the year 1993, I believe. As soon as Mosaic had launched, um, we were trying to figure out ways to create a web presence, uh, which we did. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we could never actually get the audio streaming going until I think after I left. Um, at any rate, uh, yeah, so very involved uh, um, in those initiatives back in that era. You were also in the band Erica Strata and a Velour Nation. And I love the fact that when you play gigs, people came out expecting. This did happen. Um, this, there was a call, apparently, that uh, to one of the venues. Uh, it was Erica Strada actually performing. Uh, a full credit for the name, of course, goes to uh, one Chris Storo, uh, better known for uh, the band Bossa Nova, um, still one of my favorite bands. Uh, Chris performs under his own name uh, even today, which, let's drive this full circle, drummer included Kurt Dahl. And is that how you met Kurt Dahl? Kurt from the New Pornographers, Limelifter, etc.? Exactly. Who also performed in the one-off band Super Tonebursts, uh, along with seven other people on a one live from Radio Hell uh, performance. Who also put out a seven inch, which we'll play on CITR Radio. <laughs> and you are listening to CITR Radio. This is the Fun Drive show for CITR Radio, and I just tweeted out at. Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, my video from 1995 where I do a station tour of CITR, and at the end, Leora, there's an interesting email address presented and Brian's face, right, Leora? Yes, it's, uh, uh, Brian, this is going to be a throwback for you, CITR at unixg.ubc.ca. Remember yeah. unixg? Whatever happened to unixg.ubc.ca? I know. I had my Unix account circa 92, 91. But what, what, I, what we haven't established yet, which I think is really important, and I know you're, you're a humble, modest guy, but I, I think we have to tell people that uh, one of the most trusted names in the analysis of the Internet and everything that makes the Internet tick, like how, how the numbers, how the economics, how the advertising, how the ecosystem, if we can use that term, how it all works. Brian is that guy. He's uh, often seen on CNBC, uh, Bloomberg, often quoted in the Wall Street Journal, uh, really like a, a top tier analyst of the Internet. And Brian, it really did start for you at CITR in the early 90s, your fascination with the Internet, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we can talk, I guess, more detail on the answer to who are you, which we should always, always be striving to answer. But uh, the uh, point of what CITR is, is that it provided opportunity to explore new technologies. And sure, I couldn't find $5,000 uh, to uh, uh, start streaming in 1993, but I was able to actually create one of the first uh, websites for any sort of magazine um, anywhere. Uh, and certainly immerse uh, myself into uh, into new technologies in ways that could have been possible without CITR. Um, to that very point, it is why CITR is such a, a, an important institution and one that's well worth supporting um, and well worth volunteering for and joining if you can. And if you want a phone, it's 604-822-8648. And Brian and Leora, we have a whole bunch of packs of people phone in right now and donate to $60. They can get some Ariel Pink. They can get the Sorcerer soundtrack. They can get some Love, some Acid Arab, some Neptune Records, Swag, 
importantly, a vintage 1968 original Velvet Underground poster when a Velvet Underground played in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. People can win that if they donate and they phone right now to CITR 604-822-8648. We also have a whole bunch of stuff from Beat Records and a whole bunch of stuff from Mint Records as well. In fact, if you're one of the earlier phone callers, one of the early phone callers, you can pick whatever you want. Again, it's 822-8648. And if you can't donate right now, like right now, you can come back, just pick Nardwar, the human serviette inspired by, and go to citr.ca dot donate. citr.ca slash donate. But you have mentioned, Leora, about Brian. Um, he is pretty important. You, Brian, you are pretty important, but you also are. You also are very, very serious. What is going on here? What is here in Canada, here in on the internet, here where I am in Portland, Oregon? <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, I spend my job certainly studying the advertising economy and media more broadly, and you could argue the broader economy. Um, you know, I've bounced back and forth, so to speak, between uh, Wall Street and Madison Avenue. Um, yes, the advertising industry, which... Um, but, I mean, people of... people call you the chief economist of Madison Avenue. I mean, that is amazing, but a lot of that stuff involves serious work. What exactly is going on here in your serious... Here? Where's here? Well, what exactly... Uh, is going on actually let's um continue on while i think what's going on right here let's check out with leora could you please put brian in context i don't think i put him in contents context okay i'll, I'll do that and i get the feeling Nardwar, that you're trying to like set up a clip or something <laughs> no not <laughs> at all not at all not at all not at all Okay, so we're not stalling for time, uh, but remember, it's citr.ca slash donate, 604-822-8648, and we're very, very fortunate to have a, a person with us who, if we had to pay him uh, his market rate, there was no way we could have this guy on the line with us, so you only get, you only get people like Brian and, to a much lesser degree, me, you get us out of love. Because what's the famous line? If you had to pay me, you couldn't afford me. So, Brian, let's talk about the Internet a little bit. Let's pretend we're on like Squawk Box on CNBC, where I, I believe I've seen you before. Uh, I guess this week we had a, a big week when YouTube finally split out its advertising revenues for the first time. We never knew how much they made on advertising before. And the number's about $15 billion. Is that right? So could you just put that into context, like why is it a big deal that YouTube did that this week? Sure. Well, I mean, when we think about the advertising industry and really let's keep in mind advertising like it or not, um, is, uh, the primary engine for much of the media industry that makes so much of the content out there possible, uh, except in wonderful places like CITR or in the United States NPR and other places where users can pay for uh, content, um, as such as this indirectly. Um, $600 billion is spent on advertising globally every year. Uh, maybe $300 billion of that is spent on internet-related advertising uh, by advertisers. YouTube represents a very large chunk uh, of that at $15 billion. And uh, it really supports what is the YouTube economy for good and for bad. And 
obviously YouTube's influence on uh, the broader uh, um, society uh, can't be understated. Um, but the $15 billion of, of uh, revenue that they generate from advertising um, is really sense the scale of how much it, it is important to Google and to uh, the broader industry. And why had they not separated it out before? We never knew exactly what it was. Google and Alphabet, the parent company, has always been very reluctant to share uh, much in the way of detailed uh, information. So uh, me as a securities analyst in a prior job covering the stock that is Alphabet, uh, you know, we wanted more detail, more information so we could better value uh, the company. Um, so we could better uh, identify uh, what the underlying drivers of growth were, what the underlying drivers of value were. Um, Google always liked to keep its uh, uh, cards close to its vest and um, really preferred not to share information if they could avoid it, thinking that there's a competitive advantage in not sharing it. Um, I, I've always argued and, and certainly uh, continue to argue that transparency is far and away the best approach, both for individual companies as well as for societies. Um, there's really no competitive advantage, I would argue, in holding on to that information. But uh, it, for several reasons, uh, they did finally decide to disclose that number. Um, among those reasons, um, Google and Alphabet, the parent company, could be better valued by disclosing that number. Um, that's the starting point. I would do, say, do we know if they're profitable, by the way? We don't know that. I mean, they spend um, probably half of their revenue they spend on underlying content costs. Um, server farms, just to uh, deliver the content, is massively expensive. Google, the uh, company, spends about $20 billion a year on capital expenditures to fund or to support their overall operations. We have no idea what the allocation of that um, spending is uh, to YouTube, but it's probably a pretty large share. And again, you're listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guests, Leora Kornfeld in Toronto and Brian Weezer in Portland, Oregon. Brian used to be a DJ as well on CITR Radio. He did a couple shows. He was a president, etc. He is helping me, along with Leora, celebrate, celebrate the Fun Drive show. I went to CITR headquarters and I asked him, have there been any phone calls? And they said, get back in the room and promo the number. Again, it's 604-822-8648. If you phone in right now, right now, if you enjoy our programming, like on KTS Channel 9, you can win something from Mexican Summer, some Waxworks, some High Moon, some Cram Discs, some Neptune Original Velvet Underground posters, a Beat Street pack with some cool trading cards like New Kids in the Block, comics, a tote bag, a Mint Records pack as well. All this, if you donate to CITR. So if you donate like $60 or $30 to CITR, you get this and the satisfaction of donating to CITR. Now you, Brian, when you did a show, what was your show called? I had a few. Um, again, the one that I, uh, the uh, spoken word program, Get in the Ring, was political affairs uh, programming primarily. And let's hear um, right now, Get in the Ring. Hello, I'm here for an argument. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Well, when is the argument? The argument's on Thursdays at 5.30 on 101.9 CITR on the most excellent show, Get in the Ring, featuring political luminaries and other guests. If you'd like to hear a forum on today's most pressing issues, tune in to CITR Thursdays at 5.30 after the dinner report. 
It's not a forum. It's a discussion. It's a forum. It's a discussion. Forum. Discussion, you liberal scumsucker. Forum, you right-wing fascist pig. You moron. You idiot. Moron. Idiot. Moron. Idiot. Moron. And Brian, who is the other ver, ver voice we are hearing there? Mike McKee, uh, who is still in Vancouver, uh, running a company. Uh, um, uh, actually, I'm not sure where he is at the present time, but um, yeah, but that was uh, that was a fun program for a couple of years. I always thought that Mike was part of One Eight Hundred Got Junk. He was. We were both among the earliest employees of uh, what is now uh, called One Eight Hundred Got Junk um, or One Eight Hundred Got Trash. No. Got junk, yeah. Uh, he would have been like employee two, and I might have been employee number seven. And you didn't take a cash out, obviously. No, 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 no. If you took a cash out, you'd be even richer than you are now. Uh, actually, the, the the best way to wealth would have been to realize that when I was trying to raise five thousand dollars for a server uh, to put CITR on the air uh, on the internet, I should have just gone down to Seattle and gone to work for Real Audio or uh, founded something that would have become Spotify. However, you devoted your time towards Shindig! <laughs> Mobile fans rejoice as Shindig takes off for another year. Books say prizes, fun, and music to be had by all, starting this September at the Railway Club. Doesn't that sound like happy fun? Shindig! 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 After 12 weeks of competition, Underwater Sunshine, Papalomas, and Meow are this year's Shindig Finals. Friday, December 16th, at the Starfish Room, Shindig Finals will take place. Coming out to see three of the Lower Mainland's best up-and-coming bands. Tickets are only $6. That's Shindig Finals, Friday, December 16th, at the Starfish Room. Shindig! 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 And that kind of brings everything together. Like, Leora, how did you meet... Brian Weezer and Brian, how did you meet Leora? You, Brian, you were at CITR Radio. Leora, I think oh. you were at the CBC at that time. It was the Thrillings of Rock tour. It was, but I think even before that, Brian, I think we either like I don't know if it was email or maybe even fax or phone, but we were in conversation because the show that I was doing at CBC at that time called Real Time, we were one of the first uh, radio shows to use the internet for live broadcasting and, and something called IRC, Internet Relay Chat. And you and Van Lai, who you mentioned previously, were involved with uh, trying to get CITR and, and Discorder happening on the internet. So I remember conversations around that. And then I also remember interviewing your band because you did a tour that was booked entirely on the internet, which was a pioneering thing at that time. And then we also uh, emceed some shindig shows okay. together at the Starfish Room. That's right. The, the, I, I still um, uh, fondly remember uh, my internet related uh, tour uh, efforts because the year was 1996. And uh, I, I don't remember if it was my idea or not. It probably was not. But Basically, with the two other bands that uh, we were touring with, um, we basically decided that we could coordinate and manage the whole thing by getting these big brick phones. Um, I remember attaching it to a, a dongle into my very um, uh, low-power uh, uh, laptop of that era. 
and uh, dialing into the internet to do everything I need to do while we're driving through the middle of uh, Ontario uh, to schedule everything. In 1996, this was mobile broad mobile internet was not an easy thing to do. In that particular and- clip that I played, it was from Shindig. It was Mao, the Papalomas, and Underwater Sunshine. And we actually have some Mao records featuring Nico Case to give away if people phone in and donate 604-822-8648. If you want things to be a total failure, don't phone in at all. In fact, I don't feel like counting down from 10 to 0. And if I don't get to zero before a phone call fail phoning and my life will be even more of a failure so here we go um again you phone in and you can win whatever 604-822-8648 10 9 9 i can't see alex wave at me alex if we have a real call Yes, we have a call. Um, I'm not. uh, We have a call. So the caller, thank you, caller. You can talk to Alex. You can talk to Pascal of what you want to win. And also, if you want to win one of my prizes, pick that up from Neptune Records in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, on Main Street. But thank you for winning that stuff. But what could you remember about that shindig? Brian, Mao, the Papalomas, Underwater Sunshine. And also, have you heard me count down from 10 to 0? My life will be a failure before. <laughs> I On the shindig, uh, I remember that Mao was uh, particularly terrible uh, that year. And uh, they succeeded despite that. Uh, needless to say, uh, they went on to do... Pretty spectacular things, especially Nico Case, who I have to say is one of my favorite singers. Um, but at the time, it was uh, it was a fascinating uh, pro- process to see them go through it. Thriller. And again, we're speaking here to Brian Weezer, an Alice analyst at Pivotal Research Group, no longer, said investor, investor sentiment is still pretty negative, a feeling that is driven by expectations such as user growth. It's kind of like a lot of boring stuff gets said in your introductions, Brian. Like a lot of boring stuff is quite serious. And like the people that you deal with every day are very, very serious. uh, Digital ad players still get the lion's share of business and and try to use that to pivot into other businesses like maybe commerce uh, on messaging connected to their platforms. I think that's fair. Uh, and from an investor's perspective, there's always a concern about, well, what does that do to the margin profile? Or at least that should be a concern. Um, it's safe to say that Google and Facebook are fine. They decelerate, not unlike uh, I think investors are expecting. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, if the total market can only grow so much, you know, when you think about terminal growth rates, you have to be conscious of the fact that the, these companies don't cause the global advertising economy to meaningfully outperform over the long term. So eventually, when you are the market, you grow at the level of the market. What exactly is going on there, Brian? Well, interestingly, um, that actually relates to what just happened this past week um, uh, when Google and Facebook reported their earnings. Now, I am no longer a securities analyst in this current job. I work for the world's largest buyer of advertising. But uh, when we saw a slowdown in growth, 
many people on Wall Street freak out that, oh, no, the companies are underperforming. And the reality is that the industry can only grow so fast and we're seeing deceleration. And that's all that I was talking about. But who are you talking to? The squawk box? What is the squawk box? What do you talk to? In the uh, job I had between 2011 and 2000, uh, early 19, uh, I was a securities analyst and my clients were institutional investors. So that's to say uh, anyone who has an RSP uh, and or invests in um, you know, mutual funds um, or hedge funds for that matter, uh, there would be individuals who then manage that money. Um, the individuals who manage the money and make stock picks would have been my clients in that job. What exactly is going on here? I'm going to play a little clip for you on CITR Radio. Oh. And you, you make more money. It doesn't work that way. The uh, businesswoman has hired uh, back about seven workers and is happy to have won uh, this battle, but also says that the business is still feeling impacts of pain because so much product made it into the U.S. It's going to take some. Good morning, and welcome back to Squawk Box. Here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, I'm Joe Kern along with Becky Quick, Andrew Ross Sorkin. Futures right now indicated sharply lower, almost 220 now uh, on the Dow. As you can see, I think we were uh, 216. 20 on the S&P 500. Uh, NASDAQ down about 64. Treasury Brian, yields, why are they playing uh, Weezer in the background? In terms of, uh, and what's not on five additional minutes, they were riffing about how much they like the band Weezer. Uh, they teed up before uh, interviewing me to talk about advertising. And you you make more money. It doesn't work that way. And here we have another clip from it. The uh, businesswoman has hired uh, back about seven workers and, and is... Amazing, Brian. Like, Leora, could you put Brian in context from doing a show on CITR radio to talking to these guys? I think you really have to th to think about this. Like, y you know that diagram where they show the ascent of man, like starting as like a cute little chimpanzee crawling and then finally at the end standing and, and triumphing and, and being like... A, renaissance man of the universe that's kind of it if you think back to like the early to mid 1990s when brian was at unixg.ubc.ca and he was playing around with his uh, brick cell phone and booking tours on the internet with dial-up to now really being and i'm not exaggerating one of the top internet analysts in the world and we're so very lucky to have him with us but narcor i think you are also you were instrumental in like this rediscovery of Brian and it was an incredible moment it was in 2008 or 2009 and I was I had just moved to Boston at the time and I was walking through one of the libraries on the Harvard campus where I was working and I picked up it was either the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times I just thought you know I gotta up my game if I'm gonna be here in Boston I gotta up my game and I gotta I gotta you know get beyond the Georgia Strait. I gotta know what's happening in the Wall Street Journal. So I pick it up. I flip through. It was a hard copy, and I see a picture of this guy in a suit, um, and it said Brian Weezer. And I thought he kind of looks familiar, but like, what is that guy doing here in the in the Wall Street Journal? Like, I'm used to seeing him in a, a Trouble Charger T-shirt or something like that. So I think I scanned it or something, and I got in touch with you, Nardwar, to try and make like a positive ID on the individual scene in the paper. Do you remember that? It was indeed Brian Weezer. Brian, how did you make it in the halls of Harvard? 
well, you know, they rejected me, actually. But um, What a was, major mistake that was for them. Huge well, mistake. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I took a path. Doesn't everyone make a normal pathway for being aspiring post-punk pop musician to investment banker? I mean, most people do that, don't they? And then from there, uh, the natural progression to go work on Madison Avenue. Doesn't everyone do that, too, after working in investment banking? No, and part of this is just taking... Um, interesting professional turns and uh, interesting opportunities. And all of them were made possible by the things that I started to learn at CITR, starting with training from Nardwar, the human serviette. I was curious, Leora, your interpretation of CITR, because you've been here a long time, could you explain to Brian how CITR now looks? Because we are different than when Brian was at CITR. And again, this is part of CITR's fund drive, 604-822-8648. That is, I like how we did that together. That is UBC unit, and you can win a whole bunch of prizes, including a Nico Case Mint Records prize pack. Some Mao, some Mao, because Nico went on to some amazing stuff post Mao. Right, Brian? Oh, yes. He went on to do some pretty amazing things. And it's similar to the new pornographers. Can you, I don't know if you remember this. There was a show at the Good Jacket, uh, Sean Raggett's uh, business, where the new pornographers opened for us, Bossa Nova. Incredible. Isn't it? 604-822-8648. 604-UBC unit. And you can win a whole bunch of stuff, including Mexican Summer, some Waxworks, some High Moon, some Crime Discs, some Beat Street, some Mint stuff. But Leora, could you explain to Brian how CITR has changed? How CITR has changed? In other words, you visited the old CITR and you've been to the new CITR. Could you explain that to Brian? That is true, Brian. You probably haven't been there in a couple of years. And I was at uh, CITR last summer. Uh, Nardwar and I did a show together um, and we did a recap of, this is a whole other story, but we went to the world's largest hip-hop festival together in Miami and I was the B-cam. I was the B-camera person, uh -huh. if you can believe it. This is a whole other bunch of stories and, you know, we'll talk about that offline, but we did a recap of that and if, if anybody uh, is interested in learning more, just go to YouTube and uh, just search Nardwar Rolling Loud. Rolling Loud's the name of the festival that we covered. And we talked to Lil Nas X and Young Thug and Trippy Rhett, lots of people. But anyways, uh, the new CITR is, uh, looks nothing like the old CITR, which has been taken over by like a, a physics research lab. So the building is still there. The old sub-building is still there, but now it's a physics research lab. And Nardwar and I went and talk to the guy in there, but the new station looks like a very high-end sort of Yale town, very, very uh, fancy woodwork, a lot of curved wood, and it's also, um, there's like a big, I don't know what you call it, like a big public area, so people can look in and see the shows being done. There's big windows and stuff, so it's very different from the old station where we were crammed into a corner and um it was hardly inviting it was i i don't know about you brian but i found it intimidating in my early days going to the station did you find it intimidating not so much but uh you know i think it's one of those things when you start to spend uh 40 hours a week there that uh it just becomes your second home and that is part of what citr means to i think a lot of people and leora could you please tell the people about this <laughs> 
conformity. Those were keywords I used last week in introducing a new series on CITR, the CITR FM update. A short insight into the changes occurring as CITR moves towards implementation of low-power FM. This week, I was supposed to speak with CITR music director David McDonough. David is unavailable momentarily as he's on an all-expense paid trip to Vegas. Catching a great triple bill, John Davidson, Shecky Green, and Johnny Mathis, a few of the hot new acts destined to grace the airwaves at CITR in the near future. Instead, I'm speaking with another important cog in the machinery directing CITR to its new and glossy future. Of course, that's Mike Mine, CITR Promotions Director. And I guess the most important question, your promotions, they're going to reflect CITR like a mirror. What's it going to be, Mike? Well, Jeff, if you want an audience, you've got to buy one. Jeff, we've got to give things away. Give the people what they want. We're planning contests, novelty items, CITR mascara for the new romantics, CITR briefcases for the UBC set, beer steins, hockey toques, image over content no matter what, Jeff. If we have to, CITR safety pins. Slickness is what we're after. It's the image we've got to create if we want to capture the huge lucrative market of a city this size. Hey, Jeff, it's the new CITR. The kids will love it. Slickness, safety pins, the kids will love it. Image over content, a concept for CITR's future. Mike, the ideas are great. Well, that's it for this week. And remember, complacency, commercialism, conformity. Mike Mines has them in mind. How about you? I'm Jeff Kearney, CITR FM update. See you next week. Wow. What exactly is going on there, Leon? 1981. That would have been... That would have been from around 1981. We heard uh, Jeff Kearney. Hello, Jeff, if, if you're listening. And Mike Mines. Hello, Mike. Uh, Jeff is like a, he does some kind of like business strategy consulting. Mike Mines is one of Vancouver's foremost criminal lawyers. So if you ever find yourself in like really serious hot water, like I'm talking, you know, assault, attempted murder, that type of stuff, Mike Mines is your guy. Uh, and no, I'm not getting a kickback for this. But what they were talking about at that time was the shift from uh, carrier currents, the station only used to be heard on campus in the residences and in the student union building. And Jeff Kearney and a couple of other people were spearheading a movement to get low power FM. I think it went to 49 watts. And I do recall that happening in 1982. I remember a big party, uh, well, big party relatively speaking, in the lounge room at the station. And there was like a, a garbage bucket with um, like a garbage bag lining it that was filled with something that people were very, very happy to drink to celebrate that, the move to low-power FM, which meant that you could drive over the Burrard Street Bridge and hear CITR on a car radio and, and, and in the West End downtown in Vancouver. And that was a big deal because prior to that, it was only available on campus or on cable FM, which were really, really limited technologies. So that promo that you just heard was getting people ready for that uh, transition. And, and what was the slogan? Uh, complacency, commercialism, and conformity. <laughs> and they had CITR safety pins available for people. And we have a whole bunch of stuff like mugs. We have stickers. Well, not stickers, but we have a whole bunch of stuff. If people phone in and donate, because Brian, it's important to donate to CITR, isn't it? Absolutely. I know I'm going to give some money. Uh, I think it's uh, really important to provide the environment that uh, gives a lot of people a great training ground. And uh, and then for those who can't uh, contribute money, volunteer. 
604-822-8648. We have some extra incentives for you to phone in right now. And the extra incentives are some wax work records, the Sorcerer soundtrack, the Asmotion picture soundtrack. That's Jordan Peele's second horror film. Some High Moons record stuff. Again, Carissy Swice, Stephanie PR. Some Love reissues. And also some Cram discs featuring Acid Arab. Some Mint records, a promo pack. A promo pack from Beat Records. And also an original 19... 1968 Velvet Underground poster from the Retinal Circus in Vancouver. People can win that, Leora, from the Retinal Circus in Vancouver, 604-822-8648. An original poster from the Retinal Circus, 1968. The Velvet Underground playing it, and a Retinal Circus turned into eventually celebrities. Celebrities. Before that, it was the Rock Palace. I remember in the 80s, it was the Rock Palace, and I saw um, Josie Cotton play there, and she had a a, a low-level hit called Johnny Are You Queer in the early 80s. Do you remember that one, Nardwar? Well, I do remember that there was a rumor going around that Nick Jones of the Point of Sticks was dating Josie Cotton. Boom! Because that gig. And speaking of gig locations and gigs, the Tone Burst, your band, your band, and you put on, Brian, and we're speaking to Brian Weezer again, part of the CITR Fun Drive. What exactly was this gig all about? All right, let's go. Saturday, November 18th to the St. James Community Square, 3214 West 10th Avenue in Vancouver for an all-ages show with Mint Lookout recording stars, The Smugglers. With murder record sensations from Halifax, The Super Friends. And those sub-pop rookies, Zampano. Also, special guests, Squeaky and Toneburst. Tickets are only $5 in advance at Track, Scratch, and Zulu Records for this all-ages event at the St. James Community Square. This is an early show starting at 7.15 p.m. Once again, The Smugglers, The Super Friends, Zampano, Squeaky, and Toneburst. Saturday, November 18th. A CITR, what a lineup presentation. The Tone Burst, Brian, what was happening? So many gigs at the Ansa Club. I know. I thought that show was a pretty killer show, if I do say so myself. Um, but yeah, no, I had fun producing, you know, between 1994 and 1996. Um, I don't know, did a dozen shows promoting them and uh, or co-promoting with, uh, with a number of other people. Um, and uh, that was a fun period. Well, that was actually, Brian, say, that Brian, was. A- hang on. Brian, did you put that stuff on your, your uh, Harvard, Harvard application? I, I probably did. They <laughs> that- rejected me, to be clear. So don't anyone else try that. I- yeah, I was just thinking, yeah, that if you do, I mean, it was, it was their loss ultimately. And anybody from Harvard listening right now, I mean, come on, we got Brian, you don't. But I wonder if that, you know, if that affected your application in any way. No. Something to think about. 
Oh, it's something to think about. But, you know, I, I, did, I did okay for myself. I you would, know, the good thing about not going to Harvard is I went to Canadian business school. Instead, I went to go work on Wall Street paying about a fifth of what my American uh, compatriots uh, ended up paying. So it all worked out in the end. And I was, I was actually wrong. That gig was at St. James, but there were a lot of gigs at oh, the Anza anything, Club. But that gig... That gig at St. James Hall, Leora, was actually the gig that Chris Murphy was playing drums in the Super Friends. And I understand the next day you went to Cloverdale with Chris Murphy and Nico Case, and Chris bought a drum set. And actually, you were there too, so it's not really so much a question as it is a statement. A bunch of us went out to that flea market in Cloverdale, and I think Matt Murphy from the Super Friends came on that trip too, didn't he? I think so. In Hughes Valiant, it's all it's all ringing a bell. It's all coming back now, and that's the the St. James what's it called Community Square on uh, West Tenth, the like thirty two hundred something West Tenth, right? Is it still there? It's still there. The Anza Club is still there. Brian, what do you remember about the band Weezer at the Anza Club? Do you remember that gig? Weezer, we're speaking again to Brian Weezer, part of the CITR Fund Drive. I want to say the Wolf of Wall Street, but the complete opposite of the Wolf of Wall Street. Right, Brian? Also not Wall Street anymore. I'm back on Madison Avenue. I work for WPP now. 604-822-8648. That's 604-UBC-CITR. If people phone in right now, right now, they can win a whole bunch of stuff, including, we just heard right there, some Smugglers, the Smugglers Live album, the Woolworm album, brand new, and a Nico Case album, and a Nico Case CD that's only going to cost you $30, an investment for CITR. But what do you remember about the Weezer at the Anza Club? Do you remember that? I don't. Uh, I do remember seeing Weezer, but I don't think I got into that show. I remember wanting to. Weezer opened up for Pluto at the Anza Club. Uh, right. Unreal. Wow. And yes. actually, after that gig, I remember Matt Sharp from Weezer gave Bill Baker from Mint Records, the demo tape for the band The Rentals, and said to Bill from Mint, would you like to release my band? And Bill said, no, we'll release the evaporators instead. Bah, boom. Leora, we have actually a phone caller right now. Caller, are you there? Hello, Nagwar. Go ahead. Welcome to the Fun Drive Show. Excellent. Um, I was just listening to your show, and uh, sounds like an interesting era for uh, rock shows. And uh, yeah, that last little segment sounded like a lot of fun. Any questions at all about rock in the 90s or CITR in the 90s or questions for Brian Weezer or Leora Kornfeld or memories um, you'd like to share? Yeah, how about the Marine Club? That was a nice place. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, were there any of these types of shows uh, at that venue before it closed down? Well, believe it or not, the Marine Club hosted the Good Jacket Vancouver Special Compilation Party. Were you in town for that, Brian? Boy, I don't remember. That might have been either just after or before my time. I left Vancouver in 1998. That was in about 2000, but that was an amazing gig where Sean Ragged from The Good Jacket put out a compilation CD and number track two was a new pornographer's Ian Danzig from Exclaim Magazine heard that and the rest is history. And that was at the Marine Club. Did you go any gigs at the Marine Club, Leora? 
Uh, no gigs with live bands, but I remember going there occasionally, and there was um, a, a charming older gentleman who played the keyboards there, a piano player or an organ player. Does, does this ring any bells? It does indeed. Who was that guy? I'm not sure. I think he has passed away now. I hate to say be so definite, but I think he has. Uh, any other questions at all, caller? Um, no, I'm just enjoying your endless um, uh, amount of information about shows and era and people who played with other people. And uh, I love listening to you blow people away with your little gifts and cards that from their past. Uh, it's so much fun to listen to your show. Well, thank you, caller. I would say if you are interested at all, if you could phone the other number, do you want to get a f- Velvet Underground poster from 1968, an original poster from 1968 and a whole bunch of records. It'd be only a $30 donation to CITR as part of the fund drive. Are you into that or are you kind of skint at the moment? I think I would be happy to give CITR 30 bucks for a Velvet Underground poster from the 60s. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, caller. Thank you. Oh, yeah. That's a good deal. That sounds like a good deal. And you can get a whole bunch of records as well. Just There are some, like... Um, love records. There is some smugglers. There is some Nico Case, Mao, Beat Street records. Uh, so if you phone, you'll have to phone in again, but the number to yeah. phone will be 604-822-8648. Uh, I've got it on my phone, and uh, that's yeah, six zero four UBC unit. And thank you so much. And for people listening, can't phone in citr.ca slash donate. But thank you so much for caller for doing that because by giving money to CITR, it allows people to keep the station up to date and me to play these vintage clips like Tanner, the engineer of CITR, helped set up all this Skyping for me all these vintage (laughs) clips I have no idea what's going on there, but he was able Uh to so thank you Tanner and thank you caller so uh, do do loot do 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 thank you and again you're listening to CITR Radio we're live here with Leora Kornfeld and Brian Weezer. And Leora, could you tell a bit more about Brian? I think you want to know about misinformation and data-driven stuff. Data-driven and aggregators, too. <laughs> There's, it, it, it's a huge topic. So what I'm going to try to do on the fly here is, is generate a question. So we're going to go back to, to talking shop, Brian, if that's okay with you. In time. So in a... In an abstract sort of way, when the internet started and we were talking about your and my early days with the internet, remember how we were all so excited because the idea was that anything, like absolutely anything, could find an audience on the internet because it was permissionless publishing. You didn't need anybody's permission to greenlight what you wanted to do. You could just throw it up there and there you went. And there was this great hope that we were going to see this this flowering of niches and there was going to be this long tail economy, which in some ways there is and in in some ways there isn't. And I'm wondering if if you have any sort of philosophical takes on those early days of the internet, which were sort of this kind of, you know, the digital utopia versus how things have turned out now and, and, and the moment that we're at now where people are, are quite, I, I, I'll even say suspicious of um, anything that's that's data driven or algorithmically driven on the internet. 
Yeah, I mean, the right answer. Well, I mean, boy, it's, it's such a big topic. Um, I think that the promise of what the internet would become was certainly um, rooted uh, in a lot of idealism. Um, I, I still remember uh, one individual, um, Narder, you may remember him, Andy, I'm trying to remember his last name of circa 95, 96 era. Um, I remember a conversation with him where I was saying, oh, the internet's great. It's going to be wonderful. All this like, you know, anyone can do anything and like there's not going to be any like commercial interest anywhere. He said, Brian is all going to get dominated by one or two companies. That was 1995. Um, now, that's not exactly accurate. Um, it is still possible for anyone to do anything. Um, the problem is that consumers end up relying too heavily on certain sources of information. And I would argue media literacy is one of the greatest problems um, that we have or the absence of media literacy. Uh, I worked in financial services where the concept of know your customer is uh, paramount. Um, companies go out of business uh, if they mess up in terms of not knowing their customers. They're taken down by reputation, by virtue of association. Um, if customers do them wrong. And in financial services, that's why you don't tend to see anywhere near as many um, big blowups. And yes, of course, there are occasionally ones and they are in part because of these problems. But um, I would argue that uh, know your customer policies uh, paired with media literacy would go a long, long way towards solving a lot of these um, problems. Um, but we're not really anywhere close to solving them at this point in time. Is Nardwar still there? Still there on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You, Brian, did an interview where you mentioned DJ Soundwar. That is amazing. What can you say about DJ Soundwar and your involvement with it? Well, I, I was fascinated. I did listen to your, uh, I guess, your interview with Jay uh, Swing and uh, uh, with Elements last week or the week before. A um, uh, number of partial flashbacks came back to me. Um, I ran a campaign to become president of CITR uh, in, I think it was 94, with the promise that there would be a DJ sound war. Um, I only meant to say I would make everything possible to make it happen, not that I would actually do anything. Um, and then as we approached the summer, uh, the people who were supposed to make stuff happen completely flaked out. And I recall having made this promise that there would be a DJ sound war. And so I remember uh, having to get incredibly involved. Um, it was my life for 20 hours a week, probably, um, through to uh, October or so, or whenever it was of, of 94. This is only DJ Sun War 2, I think. Um, that's my recollection. Um, Where was I, it? Was it at the Vogue or the Sub Ballroom? The Sub Ballroom. The Sub Ballroom. And so I was entirely behind the scenes. Um, I would not have been involved all with the talent. I would not have been involved uh, at all with any of the content. Um, uh, that people like Jay, in, in other words, who obviously were immersed in the culture uh, and and knew the material, knew the content, um, really ran that part of it. And they did a fantastic job, uh, as I remember it. But when it came to all the administrative details of just making sure stuff happened, that was um, – I ended up 
uh, spending an awful lot of time on that that year. And, and you, Don, you, Don Chow was the original uh, organizer of uh, DJ Sound Wars, isn't that right, Nardwar? Yes, he was. And you went to some DJ Sound Wars, right? Me? I, I remember being, not only being at the DJ Sound Wars, but I remember running into you, Nardwar, at Chapter 1, the very first one, and you... You were wearing, well, you told me you went out of your way to find pants to wear that were a little bit baggier than usual because you said, I'm trying to look rap. Well, I tried to fit in and I tried to learn and I was completely stupid. I went up to DJ Chemo and I said, it sounds kind of bassy. And you never tell a DJ, especially at a rap show, that it sounds sort of bassy. They love the bass, but I love garage rock. So I was like totally out of it. I, but I learned so much. One of the people that blew you away was this person right here on CITR Radio. going on there, Leora? Wow, that really takes me back. That would have been, I think, DJ Sandworth Chapter 1, straight out of Richmond, a, a young lady, uh, MC Terror T, uh, and her brother, the Beat Assassinator, Adam, was her DJ. And I got to tell you, being a DJ Soundwar and seeing a teenage girl from Richmond, B.C., get up there and rock the microphone like that, like pretty gangster rap stuff. There were just no women doing stuff. At that time, there was like a little bit of salt and pepper and that kind of thing, but nothing like that. And Nardware, you and I have talked about this, that if SoundCloud was around in those days, that MC Terror T would have been huge. She would be like the, she would be as big as Billie Eilish today. That's what I think. Definitely. What do you remember about MC Terror T and a beat assassinator? Adam Sloan, Brian Weezer. I remember Adam. I didn't actually know uh, her at all. And her name was the name was uh, cited all the time. But I remember uh, Adam certainly uh, um, critical to the operations of uh, of, of CITR, uh, doing a lot of the engineering along with Richard, um, engineer. Um, but uh, and then I also remember Adam going into a tree. Um, what do you mean going into a tree? Wasn't there like a protest on? Uh, the just further development of the uh, campus. And that one, I, I, I vaguely remember that. That's how serious CITR members are. 
like I say, I was not, I was very much into the uh, indie pop, indie rock uh, musical world. So when it came to hip hop, um, it, it, it was, there were so many people around CITR who I got to know as individuals. Um, I remember Ritmo Latino. Um, again, I was uh, hearing them talk about them last week. Uh, I think I, I did host a show before or after them, or uh, Strato Jalundar. Um, all these great programs and, and the individuals who are hosting these programs. I, I, I would get to know the individuals, but I wouldn't necessarily know the musical culture uh, around them. But I would say right now, people can phone in and donate 604-822-8648. There's still time. 604-UBC-UNIT. You can win a whole bunch of stuff, including a vintage 1968 Velvet Underground poster from Vancouver and a whole bunch of records too and we really appreciate the people that have donated and right now i have a li- i have a list are lee from vancouver thank you so much for the donation actually what do we have pascal let's um maybe you can um, say something into the mic right there what do we have what information are you perlaying right now i'm bringing from you for you live from the telephone room we just got another donation all right and you want to know more about it? Yes, yeah, please tell more information. Uh, so you promised Dylan a 1968 Velvet Underground handbill, and he decided to go for it. the Love's, uh, Love's album Black Arthur Beauty. Lee Love. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And we also had some other donors, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so John from Massachusetts. Um, donated $50. He said he loves you. He loves CITR. Uh, uh, Leora, John from Massachusetts. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I know who that is. Uh, and Brian, too. That's a that's a Harvard Business School professor yes, that, that you've met. Yeah, very nice. Thank you very much for that uh, donation. And we also have what else? Yes, and Arlie made a generous donation of $120. Uh, they are from Vancouver. So thank you, Arlie. Wow. And we also have right on the line right now, we have? Right on the line, Brian Weiser. Is that how you say your name, Brian? It's Weezer. Weezer. <laughs> like the like band. band. Like the band. Oh, sick. Like the now, band. drum roll, please. Uh, who are you again for the people that don't know who you are? Uh, I'm Pascal. I'm a former employee and volunteer, and I will be answering the phone if you call in and donate during Nardwar's show. <laughs> and you just happen to walk into CITR into the Nardwar mess, right? Yes. And you carefully typed out all my stuff. No, this is quite. Oh, could you please? What do we have right now? So right now, so far during Nardwar's show, um, including Brian Weezer, thank you, Brian, who's donated a thousand dollars. Let's Whoa. back that up a second. Um, Brian, are you sure? Yes. Jaw dropping. Like, Jaw dropping. Uh, like, thank you, Brian. Like you are allowing me to interview me, interview you, and you are paying for that. Like <laughs> I, I'm the one getting the benefit of the pleasure of getting interviewed. Uh, that is amazing. But you are also saying. Maybe somebody would match that. Maybe somebody would match a thousand dollars. Someone, maybe out there. I mean, the point is, it's a good thing for society to have a CTR, CITR out there and make sure that people know how CITR works and how radio and the media industry work. How about you, Pascal? When you've been out in society, have you enjoyed your CITR allegiance? Have you enjoyed your CITR experience that you've had? Yes, uh, you know uh, it has really increased my social capital really to be associated with such a prestigious grassroots um, community led organization you know 
And you I'm would, just kidding. And, <laughs> and you would encourage people to keep phoning in. We still have stuff left, right? Yeah, we have lots of stuff left. We have quite a few um, packs from local and international record labels that you would be super interested in getting. They're $60 minimum donation. Or you can just call in and donate because you love Nardwar. You love us. The number is 604-822-8648. And if you can't call in right now during his show, you can go online later, whenever you want, to citr.ca slash donate. And big round of applause for Brian. A thousand dollars, Brian. Leora, you, come on, Leora. Ah, that's um, make some noise. A, 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 noise. A thousand. Uh, thank you, and thank you, Pascal, and do 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 do. Do do. So you are still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Right now, I thought I would play another gig that you participated in right now here, Brian. Oh, not this gig. Uh, This gig right here. Hi. Hey kids, on Friday, July 7th, your presence is cordially requested at the Anza Club. Come out and see five bands for five bucks! Featuring the silky smooth sounds of Squelch. Straight from the orange rinds, it's Marmalade. Looking at their strings like never before, it's Gaze. Like a busted door hinge, it's Squeaky. With a special appearance by the Bees. So that's five bands for five bucks at the Anza Club on Friday, July 7th. Come early, show starts at 9.30. Get your tickets at the door. Another... Oh no, Mr. Bill! CITR presentation. What is going on there, Brian Weezer? We love those high pitch, uh, speed up the tape uh, recordings. Do the kids still do that these days? How did you do that? Could you explain? I was thinking, like, I can't remember how to do that. All these things were recorded on physical tape. And so you'd speed up or slow down the pace at which you were recording. And I'm trying to remember if we had to physically stitch the tape uh, segments together. You would have trained us on this. Um, I mean, you and others at the time, but, uh, but yeah, that's, um, that was just speeding up and slowing down. Um, the, that, pro, that show I, I, I do remember vaguely. Um, and of course, featuring some of the wonderful individuals, uh, Megan Mallet, who actually I just I saw, um, a couple months ago yeah, and Miko Hoffman, um, uh, were in gays. What's that? We have another promo. What do you remember about this? It smells like Mr. Stinky. Mr. Stinky, CITR, and Music West invite you to a full-on audio assault on Thursday, May 11th at the Niagara, located at 435 West Pender. Featuring the purveyors of Donut Rock, Tristan Psionic. More than just toques and tattoos, it's smoother. And the ultimate pop rock killing machine, Shallow. Plus, the loudest one-man band in the country, Hayden. Girl of 
So that's Tristan Psionic, Smoother, Shallow, and Hayden at the Niagara on May 11th. Show starts at 8 o'clock. Another Smell You Later CITR presentation. From Hamilton, Ontario, about half an hour drive from Toronto, Ontario. Sonic Onion Records, that's their label. They advertise in the national chart. Sonic Onion Records. You, you love Tristan Sonic. What can you say, Brian, of the importance of Ryan, Miko, Fern, Megan, Selena, the CITR team, and some of them helped you with cards and played gigs? Oh, yeah, no, they, I mean, these were the individuals who uh, I think we were, for lack of a better word, such as it was the the brain trust of the uh, class of, uh, let's call it 94, 95. I mean, Linda Schulten really ran everything, of course. Um, but uh, in terms of the volunteers who, who did a lot of the work, um, we were certainly among them and all uh, from about the same year, same starting period. Um, there were others, of course, who were very actively involved, maybe 15, 20 people. But I think that we were among the most involved. Laura, do you remember going to any of those gigs? I, I certainly remember, like Hayden, Tristan Sionic. I mean, I remember that the Sonic Onion label, uh, we had a really close relationship with them uh, for the show that I was doing at CBC called Real Time. So I do remember going to a lot of those shows. I remember uh, even some of them, like Hayden, he would come on and do a live performance at the CBC studio for my show, and we would take live callers. So, yes. The 90s were intense. And Brian Gaze were on Endearing Records. How did that happen? Gaze were on Endearing oh. Records. Yes. And of course, we also forgot uh, their drummer, Valeria, um, who was, of course, the first drummer in Cub. Um, uh, so Endearing, uh, I'm trying to remember how we connected them uh, with them originally. Uh, Blair Perda, who I believe now lives uh, in Vancouver, and Heather Campbell, uh, who I believe he was married to. Um, I believe they were running Endearing for a good uh, period of time. They had a number of really good bands, uh, originally based out of Winnipeg, and then Endearing expanded. Um, uh, some great bands. Bell was one of their bands. Um, there are several other mid-'90s Winnipeg uh, bands that, uh, that were associated with Endearing. Olga from Speed Buggy. Interesting. Yes, and um, subsequently in uh, Besnard Lakes, which I guess has uh, done quite well for themselves. Um, that's uh, their base in Montreal. But Olga uh, Gorias was in a band called Speed Buggy, which was a Shindig 93 winner, um, along with um, uh, Simon, uh, last name blanking, and Chris Walters, uh, among others. But um, uh, Speed Buggy was... I, really enjoyed them as a band and, and as people. And uh, uh, Ogo also performed in uh, the one performance wonder, Super Tone Bursts. And winding up here on CITR Radio, this is the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, the Fun Drive edition of the CITR Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, 604 822 248, uh, sorry, 604 UBC unit. That's 604-822-8648. And if you phone in and donate, you get a whole bunch of records, but you also get an original 1968 Velvet Underground, Velvet Underground poster from Neptune Records, something from Beat Street Records as well, as well as a whole bunch of records from Waxworks, High Moon, Mint Records, etc. And Pascal, 
give us a little update as we wind up here on the Nardwar Human Serviette Radio Show. We have reached, uh, well, we would like to get more. We have more to give away, don't we? Yes, there was a little glitch where we missed maybe one or two calls at the beginning of your show, but other than the... Uh a g- very generous donation from B- Brian Weezer, who we have here on the show. Hi, Brian. Hi. What's up? Um, who gener- uh, donated $1,000. We've got... Um, that still people- is incredible. I Thank know. you, Brian. Thank you so much, Thank you, Brian. Brian, because uh, like okay. last year, my goal was 800 bucks, and I ro- raised like 500 You complete... Thank you so much. On- but you have an update. Right, Pascal, right? Yes. So we received... Another donation a while ago from Dylan. He's from here. Hi, Dylan. And he donated $30 and he got a record and a handbill. Which they can pick up at Neptune at Records. Neptune Records. On Monday, starting yeah, Monday. Yeah, that's right. And before that, Arlie from Vancouver gave a generous $120 donation. And then John from Massachusetts also gave 50 which raises your show total to 1200 And our wow. total... Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. I know. Um, and for so far, the whole station has raised four thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. So only two hundred and fifty to go to make it to five thousand dollars over the last two days. Six zero four eight two two eight six four eight, and there is tons, tons of stuff to win. Still, right, Pascal? There is stuff to win. Still. There's tons of stuff that Nardwar is specifically giving away lots of records cds some cool rare vintage stuff uh and also the station is giving away lots of things as well um yeah for 30 dollars you can get personalized citr 101.9 candy hearts um and some mugs and and a whole bunch of stuff toques records you can get Shout outs on a show of your choice. If you want to check it out, go to citr.ca slash donate. And if you're still listening to the Nardwar show, hop down to Inspired by Nardwar, the human serviette. Thank you, Pascal, and doot doot loot do. Doot doot. And thank you, donors. You can still phone in. There's still time. And we're speaking to Brian Weezer, ex CITR president, and Leora Kornfeld, part of the now and next podcast now next deals a lot of technology uh, leora what is the importance of technology and and i think you'd like to ask brian about technology i will begin by saying brian that new app that's out there triller what do you think about that the new app called triller triller i had no idea what is it i think it's sort of like a tiktok type app that's out there TikTok for the kids talk about the triller is not one that's uh come across my attention but i'm now about to learn about it and, tell me uh, well, i need to know uh, well leora have you heard of it at all am i pronouncing it wrong i i've noticed that there's these um apps that are trying to take on tiktok there's one called something like bite which is sort of like a kind of vine type thing there are all of these new entrants in that space that uh, Brian, how's how is the industry and like the big brands? How are they looking at things like TikTok right well, now? Yeah, it's like yeah. Go ahead. TikTok definitely is um, getting a lot of attention. I mean, TikTok is you know it's so, so hard to know how big these uh, properties are, um, at least in the United States or in uh, most developed um, of the developed world. Um, 
there's a lot of interest among advertisers to spend money on uh, on TikTok because it does have a reasonably high usage, we think, among young skewing audiences, which are otherwise harder to reach. Um, it's hard to know exactly how much it's being used uh, with any precision. Um, so there's probably a few hundred million dollars in the U.S. Um, going into TikTok at this point in time, uh, but not from the biggest brands very much. At least most brands are very concerned about what they call brand safety, meaning they don't want to be associated with content that uh, might be deemed to be objectionable or might be problematic. You know, things that include, say, beheadings or, um, you know, abusive people. And so um, – TikTok is so new that they just don't have brand safety features and capabilities baked in to make it uh, what we call brand safe. So a lot of large brands stay away. But it is appealing and attractive to a lot of brands who might be less concerned about those risks. Outside of the United States, outside of Western Europe, I mean, TikTok and its parent company, ByteDance, is massive. Um, it's probably generating right now I forget the last numbers. I looked at five or six billion dollars uh, in uh, in China uh, of advertising um, uh, through its parent company. So it is a big, big property. Um, but it's uh, TikTok, the app as we know it in uh, North America, is still a relatively small business. Lior, could you put Brian again in context? This isn't the Nardwar to Human Serviette Tech Talk show. What is happening here? We have one of the amazing people on the Nardware to Human Serviette show that was part of CITR radio? That's quite incredible. Like, there's been Oscar winners on CITR, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, Brian, did you know that? That there's a former uh, former CITR member named Miles Dale, whose uh, professional name is J. Miles Dale, and he won an Oscar for The Shape of Water. Is that not incredible? Wow. I had no idea. I know. I mean, you're obviously a very esteemed yeah. alum. And is it fair to say that, that Brian Scudamore or Scudamore from 1-800-GOT-JUNK is an alum or did he not? He was not an alum. It was Mike McKee who founded Trash Busters. Remember the Garbage Wars or the, the Rubbish Wars of the 90s? I do. Yeah. So he founded the competing uh, company, which was then called, um, uh, boy, you had the Rubbish, what is now 1-800-GOT-JUNK was called the Rubbish Boys. Rubbish boys. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. Yes. But it was potentially sexist and the term rubbish was maybe not so well understood outside of uh, Commonwealth uh, countries. So uh, they changed it to 1-800-GOT-JUNK. But Mike, who was an early employee of uh, the Rubbish Boys, founded a competing company called Trash Busters. So Trash Busters and 1-800-GOT-JUNK competed aggressively in the mid-90s and beyond um, in Vancouver and in parts of the West Coast. And Mike was your co-host for Get in the Ring! <laughs> On CITR Radio, and we're speaking here to Brian Weezer, who is part of CITR, who also has amazing knowledge, like Leora. Brian has knowledge on knowledge on stuff like Shopify, a fellow Canuck, Leora. Shopify. Yeah, well, again, to put Brian into context, as Nardwar keeps on asking me to do, just in case you're tuning in, it's the CITR annual fund drive. If you want to donate online, citr.ca slash donate, or if you want to call in, 604 822 8648. We're very, very lucky to have uh, with us today Brian Weiser, uh, referred to as the de facto chief economist of uh, Madison Avenue. And if you don't believe me, Google that term. His name will come up, often seen on uh, CNBC and Bloomberg. And kind of, you could say that he's slumming it today on the Nardwar show, or you could say he's taking it to the next level. How do you I, radio, I was on Bloomberg radio this week. I mean, I like doing radio. 
that's fantastic. And now you're doing the Nardwar show. And Brian, did you know that that Nardwar is a uh, he had a landmark year last year on YouTube. There's about 20 million uh, YouTube channels in total, and only 10,000 of them ever get to a million subscribers. And he broke that milestone last oh. year. Do you know that? I did not know that. Congratulations, Nardwar. I know. That's a, it's a really big deal. And he also recently surpassed 200 million lifetime views on his YouTube channel. So uh, I think we really have to give it up for you too, uh, Nardwar, because you ask, like, what's the important te importance of technology? Technology allows people like you to go direct to the fan. I, I uh, you don't need... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what is the difference between when you were at CITR and when Brian was at CITR and CITR now? With the internet, it's completely changed, hasn't it? Like people, what did you feel like, Brian, when you were president of CITR? It's kind of like we were an important radio station, but a lot of the radio stations, oh, you can't hear CITR, but now we are equal. Yeah, I mean, and it raises interesting questions um, uh, that we were starting to think about at the time, namely, if, if the premise behind a CITR or community radio, campus community radio is a, is a third branch regulated of um, uh, a third regulatory arm of, uh, of the radio industry in Canada. Um, it was meant to bring voices to those who didn't have voices, um, to amplify points of view that maybe were marginalized. I mean, it was one of the main um, raison d'etre for, uh, for the community radio. The internet meant that, was that maybe not a necessary distinction? I'd argue there's still plenty of reason for, um, you know, community uh, nonprofit radio or uh, non-commercial radio because it does have a certain kind of diversity. It does have a certain kind of breadth of, of reach that you just – it's hard to accumulate with the internet. Um, but that said, uh, internet-related media does make it possible for essentially anyone to have a voice. It's incredible that you've joined us today, Brian. Thank you so much. And thank you also for the donation to CITR. Such a generous donation. And we'd also like to thank John from MA, Massachusetts, Arlie, Dylan from Vancouver, all the people that have donated, Nora, that have donated to CITR Radio, the Nardwarda Human Survey Radio Show. People can continue to donate, citr.ca slash Nardwar. We have a whole bunch of stuff still just waiting, just waiting for you to phone in. So please phone in if you can and donate, because not only do you donate to CITR, you donate and get the free records. And I don't really want to go home or give Neptune where you can pick up all these prizes that you win. I don't want to go home with stuff myself. I don't want it. I want to give it away. So please phone in right now, even if you donate $10, $10-604-822-UBC-6468. That's 604-822-8648. $10 gets you a donation to CATR and also gets you a whole bunch of records as well. I really appreciate that. Brian, winding up here, I was going to ask you right now, what do you think about mobile versus desktop? Homepages. Like at one time... CITR had a homepage. We still have a homepage, but a lot of people don't believe in homepages anymore. Oh, boy, that's an interesting question. Um, I think that there's no need to make a distinction from a consumer perspective between uh, the mobile environment and a desktop environment in that, um, you know, 
ultimately consumers are going to access content however they want to access it. Um, obviously, there's different technical experiences. Uh, there's different consumer experiences. There's different technical requirements to make um, each of those properties. I don't know. I'd, I'd probably want to look at where's your traffic coming from. Um, is it mobile driven or is it um, uh, is it desktop driven? It's probably going to be mobile driven at this point, and then I design around that. What about Byte, Vine two, Tumblr? Well, uh, Vine I know, Byte I do not know, Byte Dance I do know, and Tumblr is gone. It's kind of consigned. Yeah, history. Brian, what happened when when so it was both Tumblr and Vine got acquired by was it Yahoo? Tumblr was acquired by Yahoo, uh, and Vine was acquired by Twitter. Acquired by Twitter, and then what happened? Like they were they were these very very popular um, sites, and then they, there were big exits for the people who founded them. In fact, I know somebody who was yeah. one of the Tumblr people. They made a lot of money, and then Yahoo was supposed to turn them into something bigger. In the case of Tumblr and Twitter with Vine, so what happened? Why did well, things yeah. go down yeah. the drain? Yahoo was just a disaster uh, under the Mercer Meyer regime. It was a disaster for many years before that. Um, and they really, really wasted a billion or so dollars of capital um, to make that transaction happen. They never should have bought it. Um, so it, it was not a great business to start with, and it went to an even worse one is maybe the best answer there. Um, as, to, uh, as to Vine, you know, they would claim that Facebook crushed it. And I think there's been a fair amount of documentation to support that. Um, and then Twitter gave up on it. Um, maybe they should have kept going because ByteDance and rather TikTok kind of demonstrated uh, commercially that there is a there there to what it was. But Facebook really did a lot of work to make uh, Vine uh, uh, not a very successful business. Nardwar still there? It's so funny, Brian, because like, okay, well, we're just gonna we're just gonna carry on talking. I think uh, we're disconnected. That's a that's a good question. Are we on the air? If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, is there still a gig? <laughs> I don't know. Are we on the air or is it just you and I talking? That's a really really good question. Can you turn on your live stream and we can see this is if if we are on the air, this is great behind the scenes. It's like very really meta, great. potentially. We are still on the air at CITR Radio. <laughs> Coming up, Word on the Street with Isaac. And we'd like to thank everybody for phoning in and donating to CITR Radio. That is, again, 604-822-8648. Brian, anything else you'd like to add? You're checking on something right now. Leora, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd just like to say one thing. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Thank you for getting in touch with Brian. It's been great to just, you know, get together with the two of you in this sort of semi-intimate way, but also to 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 learn about the journey that he's taken from the dial-up days and brick mobile phones to pretty much, you know, the top of the heap when it comes to the Internet. And also, I'd like to say, free Mitt Romney. Why should people care about CITR, Leora? Why should people care? I think people should care because it was the internet before there was the internet because nobody could tell you what to do or how to do it. You could just go and do it and you were going to live or die on your own. And what about you, Brian? Why should people care about CITR radio? 
I think because it's a, a fantastic environment to provide voices for uh, people who might otherwise have a hard time finding their voice. Um, yeah, the internet is a great way to um, uh, find a voice too, but um, there's something about radio that's uh, uniquely powerful. And um, um, as a medium, it's it's one that r deserves constant exploration. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, for individuals, it provides a lot of people with a lot of great opportunity. Um, certainly myself uh, among them. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a, an enterprise that's very, very well worth supporting um, as much as you can. Anything you'd like to add, Leora, to Brian? Just, uh, I, I'm so happy that I saw you in, I think it was the Wall Street Journal uh, in the library in 2008, and we got to reconnect a couple of times in Boston. One was a really rainy night, one was a really cold night, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it. And thank you again, Brian, from the for the do very generous donation to CITR. And thank you as well, all the other donators like Robert, John, Arlie, Dylan, all, everybody and people I haven't named. You can still donate CITR.ca slash donate. Right now, to end the interview, Brian, we're going to kick into the Tone Burst, a seven-inch record. Could you tell us what are we going to hear? We're going to hear the first side of your seven-inch, the Tone Burst. Well, I hope you're going to play Masters of Karate because that's the best one. That was a Storo song. I might have to have you cue it up for us. Um, why don't you explain that, while I check what song that, I have? Okay. So Chris Doro is uh, the best, one of the best songwriters I know of, and I'm certainly proud to call him a friend. He lives in Montreal and still performs. He takes about seven years to produce a record. If you haven't listened to his uh, music, go check it out, either under the name Chris Doro or Bossa Nova. Uh, I uh, and he and a couple of other people were uh, out of high school, formed a band that was called Eric Estrada and the Valor Nation. And uh, we were kind of uh, wankish in that we overplayed, uh, but we had fun with it. Um, after uh, a couple of years, we'd uh, basically, uh, Chris was living in Boston, I was living in Vancouver, and this is now 1995. Um, we decided to make this record. I basically recorded uh, all of one side, he recorded all of another side, and um, you know, I guess that wasn't so common at that point in time. Um, all recorded at home. Um, Chris is a spectacular songwriter, and uh, this is one of his very – if you're going to play Masters of Karate, um, certainly uh, still a fantastic song um, I think about to this day. So right now we have an update from Pascal. Pascal, a last update about the CITR Fun Drive. And thank you, Isaac, for hanging on. Isaac, do you want to pull up the mic? This is uh, Brian – Brian and Lior, this is Isaac. Hello. 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 I'm cutting into Isaac's show. What do you got yeah, no. coming up, Isaac? Uh, we're just going to talk about FunDrive and all the good reasons and great reasons about why CHR is fun and a communal place and a place for everyone. And we're just going to push that, play some music. And I got you to CHR indirectly, right? Yes, you did. You How did. did that happen? Uh, we met at a Kendrick Lamar concert about two years ago now, two and a half years ago, and you told me to join, and I'm still here. And you are here, and I'm cutting into your show. Yeah, you're cutting thank, into my show. Thank you so much. You're well, welcome. A do 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 And Pascal, over to you. An update. I have a report live from the phone booth. We just got a caller in, Robert from Vancouver, who's coming in to give us some cold, hard cash this week. Thank you, Robert, for committing to a generous $40 donation. 
And that contributes $40 plus that. So we're almost, we're almost at our goal, aren't we? The CITR goal of cracking a certain number at a certain time. Yeah. So the, the total uh, so far, like on the computer and through uh, the latest telephone cash commitments is $4,790. So that brings us. Fantastic. Yes. It's great. We That brings us 10, uh, 10, Wait, what is it? Forty dollars closer to five thousand dollars, and forty dollars closer to thirty thousand dollars, which we are trying to raise um, this week until Friday, Valentine's Day. And thank no, you for your help, Pascal. What are you gonna do now? What am I gonna do? Yeah, now? Uh, I'm gonna go see some little kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Filled with a lot of excitement at CITR. So uh, thank you very much, Pascal, and doot doo loot doo. Doot doot. So, Brian, right now I queued up the karate, the masters of karate by. Um, oh, wait a second. I didn't. Side A, side burst, side tone. I didn't. So, uh, Leora, tell me more about Brian. More about Brian. Well, I I told you a lot about Brian. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about some notable CITR alumni from over the years while you do the queuing up because we're sort of bouncing around, going back and forth in time, which has been a lot of fun. So Brian Weezer is a notable alum, and we've been very lucky to have him on the line with us for almost two hours today. And you don't want to know what his hourly rate is, but we couldn't afford it. We'll We'll just leave it at that. I mentioned um, Miles Dale, uh, now known as J. Miles Dale, Oscar winner for The Shape of Water. Uh, Dave McDonough, who was music director when I was there, went on to have a career at uh, Polygram Records and later Verve in New York. His brother, Grant McDonough, runs uh, Zulu Records in Vancouver. Um, A guy named Steve Henry, who was, again, from my era, and actually, you know what, Brian? He works for the same company as Neil Chakravarty, who you introduced me to. Oh. And isn't this incredible? And Steve Henry, uh, is he's been in L.A. for some time, and he, he was a former vice president at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and he used to do a show before me at CITR. So talk about going full circle, huh? Oh, absolutely. And there must be so many people from uh, various bands that have been popular uh, uh, over the years have come through, uh, certainly uh, uh, Nardwar's program or or Radio Hell. Uh, Does that still air on Thursday nights? Yes, it does. With your host, Ben Lai. No way. No. Ben is the host. And actually, I had your record queued up properly, Brian, but you said side A and side A B on the same side. Like, it was weird, the, you know, side A and listen to the songs, side B listen to the songs, but on the same side of the label. So I couldn't tell, like, I flipped it over, but I'd actually done the right thing. <laughs> I It's been 25 years since I've looked at it, so I don't really remember it. <laughs> and looking at the record, it's very simple. The cover, there really isn't a cover. It's a piece of paper that says yeah. Toneburst on it. But here we go, Brian. Thank you again for phoning in. And thank you, Leora, as well. The Now and Next podcast. People should check it out on iTunes, right? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Nardwar. And hopefully I'll see you at Rolling Loud 2020. Great. And thank you, Brian. And keep on rocking the free world. Here right now is the tone to tone burst. So do do loot do. Do do. And. Mm. 
Yeah. <laughs>